This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us today as we continue studying how to and discussing how to create a just society right where we are. Uh, last week, we had Pasiansi Chaku as a guest talking about how her business uh, is used to create justice for immigrants, especially immigrants from the Congo, uh, her homeland. And Pasiansi is back today. Uh, and welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Yes, it's a pleasure. Uh, we're talking about your journey today from living in the Congo to living in the United States. And now you've been here long term. Uh, you can give us all kinds of perspectives of what it looks like from the side of the immigrant. In the news, uh, we look at immigration from the standpoint of those of us who are here settled and had a comfortable life. But what about the immigrant themselves? What are they going through? And one of the most hotly debated and talked about topics of justice today is immigration. In fact, tomorrow, uh, the day after this uh, podcast is recorded, Title 42 is set to end, and that is going to create probably a lot of chaos when it comes especially to immigration through the southern border of the United States. But the fact is, the United States is a nation of immigrants. And uh, now, due to the current administration policies, countless millions of people are pouring through that southern border. And we have to be honest, God has commanded multiple times in the scriptures to take care of the immigrants who are in the land and to treat them as your own. In fact, God would punish ancient Israel, uh, according to the prophets, for not welcoming the immigrants. A very dear friend of mine, Pasiance, is here today, an immigrant from Africa, and we want to talk about your story. Now, Pasiance uh, immigrated here as a teenager from officially the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Not sure what was it called when you immigrated here? It was Zaire. Okay. Oh, Zaire. So mm -hmm. totally different name. And today we're going to go through her with her on her journey from the Congo or Zaire at the time to the United States. And now that she's been here for many years, how does a person adjust to a new culture and how to do they become a full participant in that culture over the long term? So let's begin. Uh, as you prepared to move halfway around the world, and I know working in Kenya, it is a long plane ride. You're about to go crazy wanting to get off that plane towards the end of the flight. But uh, as you prepared to move halfway around the world, uh, what was it like for you in Africa as you prepared to immigrate? Preparing to immigrate over here um, was long for me, but not as long as for some other friends of mine that I've known. 
Um, I left Congo first and met with my parents who were working in Kigali. There, we didn't stay long enough. Um, we transitioned from Kigali to Kenya. In Kenya, I had to wait. I had to go to Kenya because I didn't have my Congolese passport to travel at that time. So the, I was given a travel document with my mother to travel to Kenya to join my father who was there with my young sibling at the time. So there in Kenya, we had to wait for the my passport to be processed at that time. It took three long months and we sat there and waited for it. Every day it seemed like we were going to the embassy, the Congolese embassy to like, just like advocate, we need the passport. It's just a simple passport. But for it to come out, doesn't matter how much money you pay, there's always corruption. You have to pay this person extra. You got to pay that one to let you in. You got to pay that one to cut corner for you. Finally, we were able to get the passport and I got my visa from Kenya to be able to come here. And I was fortunate enough to come here already with my green card. So Now, for those uh, who didn't do so well in geography in school, Africa is not a country. Africa is a continent with a lot of countries in it. In fact, uh, the United States, it, uh, Africa, I found out, is actually shrunk down on maps to actually fit on the map. But mm-hmm. Africa is so big that the United States, which the United States is huge, mm-hmm. but the United States fits in a corner of Africa. It's massive. Yeah. So it's a collection of countries on the African continent. So even though you're from Africa, you go down to Kenya, which the Congo in Kenya is, yeah. a, what is that, about 4,000, 5,000 miles? I don't even know. It's not that far. It's not that far. I was thinking it was uh, a few thousand. Well, whatever. It mm-hmm. uh, It's still definitely a few countries away mm-hmm. uh, from the Congo. So did you even, did you know the language in Kenya? I didn't know the language. I understood Swahili just a tiny bit, which I got better with it as I stayed there for the, la- the you know, three months. But no, I didn't speak any of their language. Well, no, because I didn't speak English at the at the time either. Oh. So I didn't speak any of their yeah, language. Of okay, so what I'm hearing is as you're going through this process, the family's getting split up. Yes, the family was being split up because when my dad left uh, Rwanda, he had to go to Kenya. My mom had to, to go back to Congo. My mom and I went back to Congo. Then I was able to get a travel document to go to Kenya to join my uh, my father. But unfortunately, when we got there, my father already had to leave with his job and my brother so they can come here to go to school and so for my dad also to continue with his job. So my mom and I stay back in Kenya, just the two of us, for mm-hmm. three months. Yeah, so you didn't just hop on a plane and just come to the no. United States like a vacation. No, it wasn't that. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was uh, talking recently to a family who's refugees from Sudan, um, and they got here about a year ago, but they got stuck in Egypt for 20 years. And I mean stuck, no food. They had to go in the streets and beg for food for 20 years because the U.S. military was not providing food uh, to the encampment and all these things. So, yeah, people, once they come here, the last thing we need to be doing is judging them because they've already you been reason. through hell. Yeah. 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 Just to get here. Uh, so... As you arrived here, you're now in Portland, yes. uh, in the United States. For those of us who've been here all our life, it, everything's just secondhand to us. We don't even think about it. But as you first arrived here, what did you feel, think, and experience in your first days and weeks here? So, like 
like we've had this talk about before previously, I never really dreamed of coming to America, but when it did happen, I started wanting to learn more about it in my head. I thought it was just heaven on earth. And plus what they show us in, you know, schools and TV, then nobody shows, you know, all the struggle in America, everything we see and everything we saw back then was just like, oh, the, everything is glitz. It's just Hollywood. Everything is fine. Right. But then when I landed here, it was a certain Wednesday, I want to say uh, March 8, 1996. I will never forget that day. Uh, it was really bad. It was raining. It was cold. And then I went straight to bed because I was extremely tired from a long trip, you can imagine. But then the next day I woke up, I was looking around. I'm like, where on earth am I? Is this America? This is America that I've been hearing about, what I've been seeing on TV. This is not the place. So I literally told my mom, I said, I want to be on the next plane out of this place. I don't like it. It took so long for my parents to convince me this is America. This is how it is. It's not heaven on earth. <laughs> so it was difficult. So that image we come here with, we just feel like, oh, it's it's just like everything is going to be easy. It's not. It's not that mm -hmm. way. It's really not. Yeah. And yeah, that leads me to another question. Because, you know, they don't just come to the United States. They go to England, yeah. Switzerland, uh, uh, Australia, different places. When a person first comes to the new culture, how do they adjust in that first stage? It's a very difficult adjustment for me. I will speak from a personal experience. I came here at 16, going on 17. I turned 17 the same year I got here. I was thrown in high school as a freshman only because I didn't speak any English. I speak French. So it was very difficult to adjust. It took me years to adjust. In fact, I feel like I still haven't really adjusted completely just because the culture is totally different. You can't embrace everything. You got to pick and choose which one fit your lifestyle better. And it's, it's, it's a clash for those of us also who are parents having children here. Now you have to implement your culture and then you mixing it with American culture. It's just, it's chaotic for a lot of immigrants. It takes a lot to uh, settle in and kind of get used to the culture here. I think like I'm saying, most of us never get used to it. We think we're used to it, but we're not. So really people first coming here, especially refugees who were forced out of their countries, mm -hmm. Uh, really need a friend. Yes. Definitely. So when you first started high school, did you take French class just so just so you could get an easy A? <laughs> I did not take French classes in, in oh, high well. school, unfortunately, because right. I, I felt that it would be a waste of time. Yes. So. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, now you've been here over the long term. I mean, you've been here for um, 27 years. Yeah. How does... What does it take for someone to become a full participant in the culture in the long term? It all depends on what you, what exactly you mean by what, how long it takes for a person to become a full participant. Yeah, I see certain uh, people immigrating here who just never learn the language and they don't uh -huh. really ever uh, move into the marketplace mm -hmm. in a, and they don't, you know, even run for office or anything. They don't become full participants mm -hmm. of society i think all of it has to do um i think most of the people who struggle with that also depending on what kind of life they have back there but if you want to be here you want to be a full participant i would highly recommend that you get a, yourself a little bit of education because if you're going to live in a country you need to be able to at least speak the language uh speaking the language can open so many doors for you so many opportunities uh go to school you know do a little trade you know trainings and 
you know, make friends. Just, you know, make friends outside of your community. Just don't get stuck with people in your community. This open up to a lot of different people you you you're going to learn a lot of different things if i wasn't open to meet different people i would have never met you yes yes that would have been a tragedy for me because pasiance and i are very good friends we actually uh meet a lot and we keep each other going you mm -hmm. know the reason i keep going in my work with homeless and with this podcast because pasiance is encouraging me over a peanut butter stout <laughs> to keep going and i encourage her to keep going in her endeavors as well but um now, be honest with this next question. Do you feel like you and your family were treated justly when you came here? So because my mom came here without me first with my older sister and I, I followed, I'm going to speak best on my experience. I feel like this is going to sound ignorant because I, I was sheltered. When I first came here, I was somewhat sheltered. My dad, when I say that, my stepdad, who's an American, and so he kind of protected us a lot from all the outside stuff. And I'm going to say it again. My stepdad is an American. He's Caucasian. So I come from a mixed family. So there was a tiny bit of uh, maybe protection or maybe just kind of like we, we were shielded for hearing all this. However, going to school and getting jobs, I have really uh, experienced a lot of those uh, injustices in a lot of workplaces and, you know, schools, for instance, I was bullied at school to the maximum. So I had to defend myself all the time because of my accent, because I was two American kids. I was just awkward because I was an immigrant. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't easy. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of, uh, stories I have to share. I won't share them in this podcast of just uh, insanity that people have had to go through. So even though you went through all that and the bullying, there's something even worse that happened after you were here uh, in a marriage. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? So uh, when I, uh, I left high school a little bit early because of all the bullying that happened and of course, I did end up getting married at the early age of 21. Um, I found myself in a very abusive relationship uh, with a much older guy, of course. That was the whole issue. Again, when you're mixing the culture, not saying that all African men are abusive. In our culture, we have normalized that, that if a woman behaves certain way, and I say, quote unquote, behave certain way, a man is allowed to put his hands on her. And so that did happen to me six months after I gave birth to my precious daughter. And the guy pretty much trying to kill me. Um, my left eye was badly uh, badgered. It was like where I couldn't open it for three months. And when I managed to open it, it was full of blood. Thank God it healed. But uh, the trauma lived on. But this is why I fight so much to trying to give back to the community, especially women who have gone through the same thing that I went through. Again, the mixed culture and the lack of education around certain things, uh, especially the abuse, I feel like in our community, men needs to be talked to. Men and women, it's just not men who are the abuser. Women also abuse men. And so I feel that part of my, my business also, I will in the long run have those kind of group for women to teach them how to seal those signs and also maybe reach out to men that's a far outreach, but that's something that I believe that needs to be done and discussed to talk to men about how important it is for them to keep their hands to themselves. If you feel like you want to fight, go find a punching bag or do something else, but um, abuse is not okay. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, 
boy, life is not easy on earth, (laughs) but you've made it and you've become stronger. And I appreciate you (laughs) as a friend. Now I'm going to break down this. I'd ask if people treated you justly here, obviously that situation just shared very large injustice. And as we did a a podcast a couple weeks ago on domestic violence, that's a good add in there to show uh, what can happen to people. Now, I want to do two sides of the same coin. One is a positive side and one is a negative side. First of all, what good did your American neighbors do for your family when you came here? Um, when I came here, again, I'm going to say my, I came separate with my parent, you know, not with my parent the first time they came. My turn when I came here, I want to say because I was not really acquainted with things that, you know, places like Urkel per se, so it was just my family and I, we just kind of like just the family. We never really opened up to the neighbors because they didn't really show any kind of interest to talking to us. It was mainly the church that we went to. It was the church goer that were more welcoming. They helped us a lot. And so, yeah, that was a very good thing. Good. Uh, are there things neighbors could have done better? I think there are things neighbors could have done better. Like for me, a few times that really discouraged me. Like, for instance, you see someone sitting on their porch, you, this is your neighbor, your next door neighbor, they're leaving to go somewhere to say hi to you. And I say hi to this lady a couple of times, she just looks at me and then roll her eyes and goes into her house. I'm like, oh, did I say something wrong? Yeah. So it's like our African culture of greeting people, even if you don't know them, Mm -hmm. there's no work here. It's almost like you have to know someone to say hello to them. I think just a simple hello, acknowledging someone, it goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah, and in Kenya, when I'm walking through the streets, everybody, oh, hey, Michael, Michael, hey, you know, all this and that. So they make you feel quite welcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, the United States is a nation of immigrants. We began as immigrants from England. We've had immigrants from Italy, especially, and then from all over the world. uh, And uh, immigrants are going to, and refugees are going to land in your neighborhood. That's just the way it works. And as they do, uh, what would you suggest for neighbors who have immigrants and refugees coming to their neighborhood? I would say be kind. Uh, don't be too judgmental. I think it would be better to, it's it's a good thing to just get to know people. Learn from them, educate yourself, ask them questions. What brought you here? You know, how can we, what can we do for you? How can we help you settle in? Just welcome them. Because just like you said earlier, not everyone, uh, are coming here because they want to be here. Some are fleeing because their country is, at, you know, at war. And so, and some of this, most of us had lives, like good lives before we came here. So it's, it would be nice if people just have a little bit of patience with each other and mm-hmm. just kind of be on a positive side. Like just first step at saying hello, that right there says enough. Like, okay, I see you, you're there, I acknowledge you. It mm-hmm. goes along with, for me, it means a lot. Just like I'm saying hello and then you don't want to talk to me. I have done nothing to you. We're a neighbor. We practically live next door, but you don't even know my name. I don't know your name. That's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was thinking of the story of a family who arrived here not long ago from Afghanistan after the American military pulled out, the Taliban takes back over. They come here. And she, uh, as a young woman from Afghanistan, was a successful accountant. She can't transfer her skills here because mm-hmm. it's a different accounting system here. So. That's- Tragedy, yeah, yeah. Let's go deep here. We've got insanity happening at the southern border of the United States. A crisis. 
Uh, and of course, uh, there's the Ukrainian-Russian border crisis. There's just border crisis, but Everywhere. this podcast is coming from America, and it's about to just go down this week with the removal of this title. And so uh, what would be your thoughts as an immigrant on this crisis at the southern border? My thoughts are conflicted. I don't know uh, how to summarize or how to put it into words to make it have, you know, to have it make sense. I I just pray for everyone's safety on both sides. I would say for those coming in to just be patient. It's not like you're coming in now, all your problems are solved. It's just the beginning because now you're in a different land. Uh, you got to fight for your survival. You got to get a green card. You got to get a job. You got to find a place. It's so much going on. It's just one step, but it's not the biggest step to just come here. It's one thing, but the reality of finding life here. It's just like really difficult. They have to know that. Don't just think you're going to come to America the next day. Life is all, you know, it's not going to be that way. So mm -hmm. come with an open mind. Know that it's going to be harder days and know that you're just going to have to work maybe three times harder than you would work in your home country. Mm -hmm. So, And for Americans, my word to you would be instead of sitting at home watching the news and judging people from a distance, why not? Welcome them, teach them the English language, and give them the opportunity to experience the goodness you get to experience. That's love. Mm -hmm. And we're called to love. So do you have any final thoughts today? Not very much. I just want to say thank you for having me here today. Yeah, it's that. been an absolute pleasure having you here. And what a beautiful story uh, you shared with us. And thank you for joining me again. Uh, and I hope that listeners can learn from your story uh, an immigrant or a refugee is a brother or sister who is learning, leaving what they know, leaving their culture, their language, their family, and their home to come to a place that may be familiar to us, but not to them. Uh, you had talked about in the morning show last week about how uh, even the foods here they can't necessarily digest them. I was talking to someone uh, who had immigrated from India and they were vegetarian. A lot of vegetarians in India, they couldn't digest the meats here. Yeah. So your, your body uh, changes to adjust mm -hmm. to the foods you're used to, but those things, uh, even food that we are used to, uh, they are not. And often these brothers and sisters are scared, lost, and they feel abandoned. And often, such as what is going on now at the southern border, they are treated like cattle. But as people who love God, we are called to treat them with dignity and to see the image of God in them. When we welcome them, we are welcoming Jesus. I encourage you to learn from Pasianza's story and to act in justice towards the immigrants who are coming to your neighborhood so that you can in, so that they can enjoy love life, and justice, and charity right where they are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. 
You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MatraDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.